0: It's time for a bonus, a bonus episode.
1: I love episodes of theater, 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 theater. We're going off the beaten path. Off the beaten path. We're Wow.
2: Off, off. Oh. You guys... You guys been watching this? <laughs> wow. Well, Bailey had said it a few weeks ago, that I and I do start off making weird noises usually out of nervousness. Is it a comfort <laughs> thing? Yeah, I was going to say. It's just out of nervousness. It's just an OCD thing. Like, it's
1: like, <laughs> so, uh, I
2: decided to do that. No
3: hate from, from here. I think it's great. I think it introduces everyone to a tone uh-huh. of joy.
1: That's my middle name. It of, is
3: of C Joy Merriman. Isn't that
1: terrible? It's horrible. My name's. No, it's not it's terrible, not
3: horrible. horrible. I love that name.
2: What? It's uh, uh, Joy. <laughs> Christina
1: I don't like my joy. name. Joy. Yeah. joy is my mother's name. So Aww. I have a special connection. Anyway, yeah. wait My I,
3: name, I, Bailey, is my mother's maiden name.
1: Oh, wait, I think cool. you said that. Yeah. I like that.
3: Yeah, it's cool. I
1: like last names that are first names. Yeah, yeah.
3: What were uh, you gonna say, Siege?
1: I I just felt like Scott was going to bring up a controversial topic, which is the Olympics. But
3: oh, I, oh, I was yeah. I would yeah. love I to
1: talk about them for like a five minutes if we can.
3: <laughs> do we want to do it now or later? <laughs>
1: Let's do it now because I've just been watching. Um, I have to say, like I listen. They shouldn't be having the Olympics. It's terrible. It's okay. risky. A ton of people get sick. But they were having them and I love the Olympics, especially the Summer Olympics.
3: Same. Did well, I wouldn't say especially. I like both pretty equally.
1: Oh, I, I love I'm just I'm a huge swimmer, diving, gymnastics, track and field. Um figure I love skating,
3: those... bobsledding, snowboarding. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I for me, it's it was all about the figure skating when I was a kid, but oh, did y'all it. happen to see, cause I thought it was some beautiful theater. Did y'all happen to see the opening ceremony? A little you know, bit. Like four days it. ago, uh, they they did this amazing section. I'm sure everyone has seen for every event they have this kind of like symbol that they put up and it's like the stick person that you see for oh, right. oh, yeah, bathroom yeah, yeah. signs, right? they wanted to they wanted everyone to know what symbol symbolized each event so they did a live playing of and it was a person dressed up as the white person
3: i did see this yeah where they
1: put that person in every position oh yeah 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 representing every event and i remember i mean i was a couple i was drinking corona that night i hadn't had corona in years and i was the
3: virus itself huh (laughs)
1: I was beer drunk and I was cheering every time they like hit a thing. And they, they clear, I can't even remember which symbol it was, but they had a problem getting into one of them at like the time that the track suggested, but it was so much fun. I loved it. I love the Olympics.
3: It was on a bunch of highlight reels. Uh, Like it would be like some Simone Biles did this awesome thing. And uh, this guy from Czechoslovakia did this awesome thing also remember this in the opening ceremony and how fun and charming that was and i was always like yeah that is fun and charming
1: <laughs> yes. i was well and what's the japanese style of theater where it's like whoever and i felt bad that i couldn't remember the name of it when you have things moving on to stage and you're quote unquote not supposed to see the person moving the thing they're wearing all black what is that theater style called
3: it's not kabuki it's, it's part no. of kabuki Oh, it
1: is part of Kabuki? It's they not, did a no, big homage either. to Kabuki at the end of the ceremony. Uh, to be honest, I missed the beginning of the opening ceremony, but they did a big... Watch it the on Play on Peacock. Wow. Oh my God, Plaza. he that's had it. the painted face and the huge costume. It was awesome.
2: That's
3: awesome. Well, my, now that we've done our five on Olympics... <laughs> 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 I
1: love the Olympics, that's all. My no
2: favorite, miles. My favorite <laughs> thing real quick, though, is just all of the experts the hardcore experts for all the really obtuse random sports, like, you know, archery. Yeah. They got the one guy there. and he, She's, she's got her elbow up too high. She's air got rifle. her elbow up. Oh, and air rifle, <laughs> the equestrian one Snoop Dogg's reaction to the horse table tennis. Did you guys see Snoop Dogg no. reacting to the horses? You know how they, they come marching in for the, the yeah. presentation. They, the horses have like their, their, like high step thing. Yes. Yeah. Like it was hilarious because he was 100% enamored of it. Like he instantly fell in love with it. And I would love to watch the, the Olympics. Thing with Snoop Dogg. I've ever... Do they have
3: uh, Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart commentating together? No, it's him,
2: <laughs> him and Kevin Hart somewhere. And then, oh, that's fun. Yeah. That sounds great. <laughs> and I think it might be part of the Amber Ruffin stuff. Uh, former Sacred Fool, friend of the pod. Amber yes, Ruffin.
1: Yes, Amber. Um,
2: but yeah i'm not sure
3: hey listeners yeah this last five minutes has all just (laughs) been a nightmare
1: (gasps) welcome to the olympics podcast Segue
2: like a (laughs) mother that was a that was was a master segue, dude yeah
3: (laughs) welcome to theater theater the theater podcast for theater nerds made by three theater makers from the la theater scene i'm j bailey bircham
1: i'm cj merriman and i'm scott
3: leggett and as always cleanse our palate between playwrights we offer you another bonus episode of theater theater and stuff where mm, we st- pick
2: mm, mm, stuff,
3: stuff. <laughs> where we pick theater adjacent things and nerd out over them and this week is a bailey pick what did i pick i picked as a so perfectly and eloquently uh, 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 segued. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not cutting that out. That's a bad, No, no, no. You basically, uh, it was, that
2: was very... It was very Annie out. Baker. It was very Annie Baker. Oh. Thanks, Annie. Baker. Good script this
1: week.
3: Uh. I chose Theater Nightmares and the reason I chose this is because I know every theater person has a ton of stories. They oh have God. stories about forgetting lines. They have stories about tech not working they have stories about cues being called incorrectly they have stories about lights falling on the head of somebody during Oof. a rehearsal like in birdman it, oh, uh <laughs> i don't have a story like that it's just oh, I
1: was like damn that's bad where was that safety cable motherfuckers? yeah that would
3: be terrible but, but i will safety say, cable folks we got stories we got a bunch of listeners to send in stories so we're going to be reading those and then we have some stories of our own but I, I just listed a few like what are the stories that like everyone has
1: i i mean, forgetting your lines forgetting that's your lines guaranteed
3: guaranteed yes. i mean well no because that that's for actors only okay
1: true true what true. are things
3: that i mean that's it can be a nightmare for the for the crew too you know what i'm saying <laughs> for that stage manager waiting to call that cue, Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
2: uh Yeah. It's the prop stuff. The missing yeah. props, the, Oh man, I just props. thought of
1: another one.
2: Yeah. It's like, it's, as you start to dig, I was like, I, I remembered one today on the toilet. You're welcome. And uh, I was like, Oh my God, that was, hel- I've forgotten how hilarious the reaction to what happened was. And I can't wait to tell it later.
3: Well, okay. So let's start then. CJ had a great idea before we started recording that we should do a, kind of a categorical situation. I haven't read some of the stories I've been sent. I just have them. I never. Ooh, okay, I haven't that's, read fun. Them.
1: that's fun. That's so, <laughs> fun. So it's gonna be
3: organic reactions. But I want to uh, hear if y'all have any like really terrible forgetting line stories.
2: Um, I Go. do. I do have one okay. uh, from Henry Dittman. Friend of the pod, Ooh. yay, Hank. So Henry was in the first full production I ever directed in college, which was Waiting for Godot, um, and, and so, uh, Waiting for Godot, uh, which Beautiful. was great. And 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 sorry. So this is I'll, I'll say it in his words. So Leggett directed me and a guy named Dave Jolly in Waiting for Godot in college. One night, we accidentally skipped about 15 pages.
0: Oh, fuck. Oh,
3: fuck. It's easy to do in that show, though.
2: So easy. Including the entrance of Lucky and Pozzo we, we improvised for about five minutes to make sense of the time jump, bringing us oh, back to where we had gone astray. And then did it again to get us back where we had left off. All in the style of Beckett. No one noticed. I remember it being incredibly exhilarating and incredibly terrifying. And I remember me as the director watching it going, wait, wait a minute. Something's not right. And then watching them like cue in on each other. And they did. They just riffed in Beck at ease until one of them found a place in order to send it back. And then they just went back and they picked up where they left off. And then gun through. So it added about 10 minutes to the run of the sh- of wow. the, that night. The
3: listeners can't see this, but CJ and my mouth have been
2: agape. <laughs> like, it's just because you're this and,
3: entire story.
2: And, and you're right. Like with Beckett, like, where do you start? Where do you where do you start to try and riff or improvise in order to remember <laughs> where in the fuck you are? Because you're just. Especially when you're in it. And these two guys, I should say that that Henry and Dave Jolly were just two of just my favorite actors of all time because they just were always talented, always on their shit. They were great showmen, still are. And um, so to watch them process it and just sit there and go, I'm not going to freak out. I'm not going to, I'm getting graded for this, but I'm not going to freak out. <laughs> you know, and we had like, we had some pretty good sized houses and they just, uh, they just stayed in it. They just were in it and they committed to it and wow. got it back on track. Like eventually. So yeah, I remember
1: hearing a story of, and it was from Bill Hunt who I, I know I brought him up. He passed a little over a year ago. Oh, right. Yeah. A fixture in the LA theater community. I remember him telling me a story of doing like, Long Day's Journey Into Night by O'Neill and them just completely forgetting where they were and then literally going back to the beginning of the scene.
2: Right. So like the
1: show was a half hour longer or something.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And just... I
3: uh, am, have produced things for Jane Kasmeric, the mother from Malcolm in the Middle, which yes. I mm-hmm. And, and a
2: marvelous and a marvelous stage
3: actress. M- marvelous stage actress. I-, I love her a lot. She marvelous. did Our Town at the at the Pasadena Playhouse. And she also did Long Day's Journey at the Geffen with Fred Molina a couple years ago. That's wow. right. a couple years ago, more like five years ago. I it's on Broadway H D, that that production actually. I went and saw a preview of it. <laughs> and it was good it was fine it was whatever but then um it was actually very good for a preview i was i was really i was All really right. the, the production she was still finding it i think she wasn't fully there yet but i heard she did like she totally got there and i uh was the first time i met her at the playhouse she walked up and i said jane i'm a big fan i saw your longest days journey in tonight at The Geffen. And she goes, was it that long? (laughs) (laughs) And I went, oh, I meant meant long day's journey. I'm sorry. It's long day's (laughs) journey. And she said, right. And then we moved on and it was fine and we got along great and she's great. But that's a theater nightmare that was a moment where I just really like uh, had a pit in my stomach the whole rest of the conversation. Cause I was like, I said longest day's
1: journey. <laughs> I got the title wrong, <laughs> but I made it
3: sound like also I had just like, Oh, that long fucking show. Longest.
1: Day. <laughs> um, mine still haunts me to this day. I'm sure there are still people in the theater community that would love to regale you of this story. <laughs> Um, I think I was 24 and I was up at Theatricum Botanicum. It was my first legit paid gig. I paid off my credit card doing the show. I was playing Osric and Hamlet and it's Theatricum Botanicum. So with, with the school days programs that we do during the end and the beginning of the school year, along with the summer repertory, it's like a six month gig. It's great. Mm hmm. I fucked up my lines, like, literally two weeks before we were done doing Hamlet. Um, And they cut the play up just so that... And what happened was... I played Osric, and it was the last scene. And at this point, everyone had died. There was maybe a page or page and a half of dialogue left. And it's it's the point in the scene where... Uh, you hear a noise off stage and I can't remember what the line is, but they were like, what was that? And I enter as Osric and my line was, I looked it up today, young Fortinbras with conquest come from Poland to the Ah, ambassadors of England gives this warlike volley. I'd said this line for six fucking months at this point. (laughs) (laughs) For six fucking months. And I was standing at the double doors of the tiring house and I'm kind of a little obsessive and repeat lines over and over again. I walked out, I ran out on stage and I, it felt like 10 minutes long, but I stuttered. I, I think I said young four 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 like 10 times. (laughs) And then I finally gave up.
3: You had a glitch.
1: I, it was, and I like inside there's a million things happening. I was panicking because I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. And then finally I gave up. <laughs> and I said, it's Fortinbras.
2: <laughs> like, we know and who he is. We know he's from Poland. We know he's from
1: Poland. I, I we know, he's, Poland. We know who he's coming from. Dead Gertrude, dead Hamlet, dead Laertes. They were all laughing.
3: Cackling, I bet. <laughs> and
1: I, I was like all of 24 years old. And I, I was mortified. I... I, as soon as that play, and it was, luckily it was a kid's day. I mean, luckily, whatever. I mean, we were not doing it for paid. It wasn't like a Friday night production. We were doing like a 10 a.m. bus in school kids to see Hamlet. Type you were
3: thing. introducing the final monologue of the show. And you go, it's yeah.
0: <laughs> it's, it's Can we just do it?
1: <laughs> they made fun of me forever. Wow. I cried for days. Uh, I mean, it's. It's my, and now it haunts me because now I have this crazy superstition about like, I have to have enough time to get my lines down and I have to do A, B, C, and D before I go out on stage. It's it's kind of made me a monster in a weird way, <laughs> but yeah, I still, I, I even have friends that I meet at Fools that'll say, oh, hey, I brought you up in conversation the other day with Paul Turbiak, and he told me that whole story and oh my god cj oh, so no. Oh, no. it's of legend of but it was legend. horrifying <laughs> uh,
3: i have one it's not about me because i never forget lines I, <laughs> no, i'm kidding i've forgotten so many lines there's too many of those stories that count none that were really <laughs> memorable though because i have so many but i did one time i was i went and saw a show uh in wichita was the spitfire grill a show that i love very much had been in a couple years before um and wanted to see i went and saw it and one of my friends who was in it had been singing the songs with different lyrics as a joke outside of the show
2: (sighs) oh no and he
3: sang the joke lyrics on stage
2: that's fantastic (laughs) and it
3: was i don't i Don't remember it, but it was something other related to like, and you can suck my boss or something like that. It was like, it was like bad. It was bad. (laughs) So that's it, happens though. Don't do that. I think that's good advice to all actors. Like, don't make up silly lyrics or fake lines for your, because you'll end up saying them. If you laugh at them enough and say them to your friends enough, don't make it an inside joke. You'll say it. Now yeah, I'm thinking right. of
1: all the times we've changed lyrics to songs or words to lines and uh,
3: shit. <laughs> One day it'll, it'll catch up with you. <laughs> One okay.
0: Day.
3: So I love, uh, lo- missing line stories. What about like tech stories? Like where tech went wrong tech went bad my quick one is that one night in the full monty the the lights didn't go when we all pulled our (laughs) g-strings and it's supposed to be this thing where you're supposed to blare the the lights blares light blares and blinds you and all you can see is our silhouettes right and you you see us for a moment but then it's and so we got used to like that moment of like okay they can see it and then it would go away but (laughs) One night. Uh, And I'll say her name because I love her deeply. She's one of my favorite stage managers. In fact, one of my favorite lighting designers I've ever worked with. Her name's Shara Ababi. She did my little shop. Uh, My lighting lighting design for my little shop. She's a genius and a dear friend. And she just forgot. Like in a moment, like I just, just didn't, didn't hit the do button. It. one night. I it mean, happens. we were there for months, right? Like we're she, human.
1: It yeah, happens. it's just like
3: you see. Like she had been there forever. She had done it a hundred times. All of a sudden, she was just like so engrossed in the show one night. I guess or whatever, or not, not engrossed <laughs> enough. And she said she just forgot. And so we were there for like three count, two count, one count okay and then we all like covered up because we were just like that was a long time and I wish I'd been in that. clicked uh, it was really funny um but okay uh i got a i got one from a friend but y'all have any
2: i i do this is kind of my semi-long one i'll try and make it as quick as possible so okay. um i'm doing stone face the rise and fall and rise of buster keaton Um, which originated at Sacred Fools and then went on to Pasadena Playhouse. But while we were at Fools, we did like four or five months in the summer. Like, it was a long run. Yeah. And uh, so I was playing Roscoe Arbuckle. And at the beginning of Act 2, thank you, uh, at the beginning of Act 2, we recreate one of Buster's old short movies, which is two guys coming into a room, sitting down to have dinner. And we had this contraption, and we literally called it a contraption, which came down from from up above, and was suspended over this table, the dining table. And then on this contraption were all these uh, items hanging from strings that were on pulleys, like salt and pepper shaker, a snuff box, utensils, that kind of thing. And we, would start, and we would start pulling them down, using them, and then tossing them back and forth to each other. So it was like these strings flying back and forth and all this cool stuff. And then at the end of that little segment, like French would pick up a tomato and he would throw a tomato at me and I would catch it on the end of a fork. And it was really cool and people dug it. Well, while I'm distracted by the tomato, there is behind me a little bookcase with a fake top that is attached to a a string. And um, and then in that thing, in that box, in that bookshelf is a bottle of booze. So as I'm distracted and cutting up the tomato, French opens up this, this bookcase, pulls on this cord, and this bottle swings across stage. He catches the bottle. He pours himself a drink, ties it up. Then he tosses it back on, on the string and lands it into the bookcase and closes it. It gets this big applause. Then I would turn and notice that he had a drink and go, hey, how come I don't have a drink? So he'd roll his eyes and he'd pull it and it would swing across past him and then swing back to me and I would catch it and pull it. And then I would have to toss it and I'd have to toss it pretty hard to get the momentum to go past French and then swing back so that he could operate the the strings and land yeah. this thing.
3: We're so, getting great uh, physical acting from you, Scott, as well. I, I truly wish the listeners... No, please don't apologize. <laughs> and please keep doing it. I wish the listeners could see. It. It's very visual and exciting. Thank, thank you.
2: Um, so one night, like, we go through the whole bit. And, like, we were generally, like, 80 to 85% on all the time. Sometimes French would miss or once or twice. but But so one night, I get it, finish the bit. I toss the thing. I see it go up in the air into the darkness of the lights. And then you just hear... Boom. And the bottle had become detached from the string. And it was a plastic bottle, um. but it just, boom, it was filled with iced tea for whiskey. And it, bam, it landed on the thing. And French, like, he doesn't know what's happening. I'm seeing it happen. But we both kind of respond to the noise. And then we both look at each other. We both point at each other accusatorily, like, this is your fault. And then we get up and we go to it and we rift for about, God, it had to have been three or four minutes of stage time. And like it starts out like we walk over. The string is hanging now in the air. So I start playing with it like a cat. And then he kind of like shoves me. And like we're just riffing and he picks it up and we're trying to figure it out. And finally he figures it out like he's he's tied it. So and people are just kind of losing their minds. And there's all this energy watching us deal with this problem. So we I walk back with the bottle to, to our seats. We sit down. I instinctively just unscrew the top and just take a big swig and the audience loses their shit and then tie it up and then toss it all up in the air and it comes all the way back and boom, it lands and standing ovation. Like nice. we were, it That's was the just
1: good accident. And it was not I
2: think a nightmare. It, 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 yeah, 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 I guess it was dream. a dream. It was a nightmare in the middle of it though. Like in, yeah. in just sure. the, because like we would literally run that bit a pre-show, like a fight call because like, you had to check like everything because if anything was off, like the whole thing would just literally fall apart. and but that was the only night that anything went insanely awry, although later when we went to the playhouse, the contraption swayed from because of of the height that Oof. it was being dropped from. And so we had to recalibrate all of our shit. but that was that was panicked that turned into. Oh, my God. And and French and I still today go, remember that night when we fucked up and we did real good? It's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we saved it. We saved it. We saved it.
3: What's what about you, Siege? You got any tech stories?
1: I have a prop story. Uh, that's that counts. Short. Yeah. When Everyone's was...
3: got a, pop, a prop story, right?
1: <laughs> yes. One of the last... Main stage, big new musicals. I was in Deadly by French's wife, who also wrote Stoneface. Vanessa yes, Stewart. yeah.
2: I'm sorry, I didn't
1: credit. Uh, yeah, Uh she she wrote that, and I just remember it was it was literally our opening night. And at the top of Act Two, the musical is about is about H H Holmes, y'all, the serial killer. So at the top yeah. of Act Two, he had to kill one of his victims, and he was supposed to kill her by stabbing. And the one thing, one of the things he's supposed to do during uh, intermission was take the knife and put it in the back of his pants so he could reach behind and get it. And (laughs) I just was standing upstage of him and saw the panic on his face when he reached behind. (laughs) (laughs) He had forgotten to put the knife in the back of his pants. Oh,
2: my God. Oh, my God. And
1: then he like walked up to his victim and and decided to strangle her instead which i thought was the wrong decision but that was (laughs) i i what is the
3: right decision
1: the right decision would be to bring your arm up like you're gonna stab them and mime the knife everyone will know what you're doing that that's what my answer would have been plus it was fight choreography so do you really want to change it
2: right especially with strangling I have a great segue from French regarding something similar. You ready? Go for it. That was it for me. That's great. I got got all kinds of stories like that, but here was from French. Um, I was Paris in a production of Romeo and Juliet at South (laughs) Coast Rep, a thankless cock block to the greatest love story ever. (laughs) But that's beside the point. (laughs) One night when Juliet woke up to find Romeo dead, she played bereft. But when she went to stab herself with the dagger, apparently he had forgotten to bring it. So she choked herself to death. <laughs> that is the wrong decision. Which is just is like, it's so absurd. But but it, well, at least it was just her. Like she could fake it herself. <laughs> like like of all the things to do, it's like, but you're not, you can't kill yourself that way. can't do that. <laughs> it doesn't work. It's just like, oh, but I thought that was a great. I have
1: i have an rnj entree uh i uh from that entree was that the right word whatever um, I, no, <laughs> I choreographed an rnj a couple years ago and the night that i went to see the show poor juliet her boob popped out of her dress oh. at the beginning of the crypt scene and she was a pro like i don't it's one of those moments where it's like i don't know what because she, she was wearing a strapless dress. They kind of did a modern day telling of it. And they didn't do her any favors by picking the dress that she had. Um, and I, for me, it's like, what do you... But she was a fucking pro. She did not move until the lights went out.
2: Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's great.
3: I've seen a couple things like that where um, sometimes nudity, uh, uh, sometimes just like costume stuff where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, no, they're their thing is caught up and you can see their underwear oh no like yeah. okay mm-hmm. well that's gonna happen until they realize it or someone else does you know so it's it happens that live theater though that's why we love it right that's show must exactly. go on
1: yeah uh i have another boob story that
2: bring on the boob story
1: <laughs> heather sent to us should i be saying last names
3: Sure, if you sure. want to Heather, shout him out. Yeah, Heather yeah.
1: Roberts, who uh, Bailey, I don't know if you know her, but she's.
3: I do. Wonderful. I love Heather Roberts.
1: Uh, okay, she's lovely. I love her. Uh, Me I did a too. show called, <laughs> I did a show called "The Creation of the World and Other Business" by Arthur Miller. Uh, go listen to episode two, y'all. Uh, it's about <laughs> it's about Adam and Eve, and although the original production used bodysuits, this production chose full nudity. So for the entire first act, I was naked on stage. It's kind of the reason I did it. I wanted to do something totally out of my comfort zone. Um, they even had to have the audience. They had to tape the audience back six feet because uh, they were in Washington, and there's laws about like how far away the audience yeah, has to. Be strip, from
2: stripper laws. Strippers. Stripper uh, um, laws. So.
1: Uh, in the second act, I'm wearing a scrappy little cave dress and I have to give birth to Cain, Abel, one of them, both of them. Are they twins? Who remembers these things? The Bible is so long.
2: It's <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a very Heather. Like I can hear Heather's voice absolutely saying yeah.
1: Um And one night I'm writhing around on my back, giving my best birth noises, and I look down and realize my boob has popped out. Now, recall, the audience has seen me fully nude for 30 minutes prior to this, and yet I was mortified. Something about it being unintentional, awkward, out while it was supposed to be hiding. I still think of it today and Shudder. A harmless little nip. It still gives me nightmares.
2: No, Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird how that, that w- works how, on your brain. Yeah, but it makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense.
3: Wow. Yeah, I mean, I had a couple nights where, like, i realized when i ran off stage my boxers were kind of off wrong or like hanging wrong or like open in the front uh in a scene where i was wearing only boxers but i had my G-string under it so you could see my G-string and like things like that so people were like does this guy wear G-strings <laughs> <laughs> this character apparently really loves his G-strings it's like a never
2: uh, like a never nude from arrested development yeah. <laughs> i can't be nude with myself um but yeah no I feel it. uh
3: okay uh i have a tech story and then i want to read one from somebody who i met today
1: Ooh, oh i love this fun. so
3: this is a tech story that actually is, this is a true nightmare this is like the this is like my ultimate story i, I want to tell today and it's like it's just sad so i have gone through a lot of weird terrible things um in theater as everyone has and 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 i think people have dealt with way worse things than this but this was a time where we had a i was in the show anatomy of gray by jim leonard jr Uh, which is a phenomenal play. I've talked about it before. Everybody should look it up. It's really good. I was in it and we were preparing to go to KCACTF, the theater festival, to perform it. We got invited. It was really exciting. It's a big deal to get invited. You know, like three shows get invited out of the 70 schools or whatever. Right. So we Mm. felt really cool about it. We took it, uh, but we were teching it before we went. And we had been asking for glow tape
0: mm-hmm for no, no. W- w- weeks yeah we had
3: been like can we make sure that there's glow tape here and here like because remember last you know it was kind of during the run it was we had trouble and we ended up uh uh one night the lights all went out at the end of the second act all of the dead people at the end of the play are lined up on this really high platform oh no and there are steps going off of either side that we had to exit during a blackout, okay? We had been asking for glow tape for weeks, all right? This glow tape doesn't show up during our our dress rehearsal.
1: You gotta charge it, y'all. Oh, sorry, I bet you meant
3: it. No, 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 <laughs> it's not there. No one put yeah, it down. Yeah, right, got it, got it. Okay. We had been told it would be there, is my point. They had told us multiple times, like, it will be there 100%. I got up to the ledge, and it wasn't there, and I went, fuck. I took a step, did my best to land on the stair. I missed it, just barely. I stepped half on the stair, half not. I missed it. I fell off about 10 feet. Luckily I was fine, but the girl who was holding on to me behind me cuz it was pitch black oh, no. landed on me and broke her arm.
0: Oh no. No. So
3: she had to do the run of the show and the ACTF show with a cast and a sling. Now oh, we like no. bandaged it and made it look 1881, you know, and everything, right. but it was just so unfortunate and she was such a kind soul and it was just like this really fucked up thing and the tech director when we all gathered because the ambulance came and got her we all gathered in the house and the tech director said that's the actor's job to get the glow tape
2: What? And We How? lost our
3: minds. You've never seen Theater Kids so angry. I mean, I'm sure you have, but we went nuts. Like we were just like, what? Like we've been asking for it, and it's not our job. And like, <sighs> it was terrible. And that's, we felt really bad the for con- the stage manager because she also she like took took it on completely as her own. She was like, I did this. This is me. Like, and we were like, but come on, like. This is See, the,
2: the, the, that person who was like, uh, it's the actor's responsibility. Tech
3: director, the tech director. That. That, that,
2: that's the type of asswipe that would immediately file a complaint with equity. You know, had things been reversed. Yeah. Um, this that's is college. Abs- that's absurd. That's absurd.
1: Yep. When it's crazy. When I was in school, my sophomore year, the first thing I got cast in was nine. I was in the chorus of nine. Oh, and yeah. I was playing one of the nuns in it. And it was me and my best girl, Joe Kroger, who's in New York kicking ass right now. Um, we were both the nuns in the show. And we had those Italian flying nun, like, Wimple hats. Yeah. Um, and we didn't have any big parts. We just showed up because we were, like, an image from his past type of thing. But we had this one exit where we had a weird exit where we had to kind of come out underneath the set and they said to us come completely out from underneath the platform and take a right do not try to climb out in between the set because it's messy you will hit your head and all of the glow tape is out here where the actors are supposed to be walking And there was one night we were in production and I remember, I don't know if she forgot or if she was in a hurry, but Joe turned and tried to crawl in between the set. And I heard this huge whang, and she smacked her head and nose so hard that she bled all over her white costume. And the director, Christopher Gurr, who was in the national tour of Spamalot for a while, he's awesome. Um, he said he wanted to write a memoir about the show called Blood on the Wimple.
2: Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd <me>. watch it.
1: <laughs> I would. Um, what so was
3: I,
2: this, I'm sorry. Go. What was the story you were going to read?
3: Yeah, I oh, met sorry, someone today. This is weird. I got an email a few days ago from somebody who wanted to look at the playhouse to pot- potentially take some engagement photos. Her name was Paige. We ended up uh, I ended up saying, yeah, we set a time. She came with her fiancé, Kevin, today, and they had just an hour before gotten their wedding license. So she was wearing like... Yeah, congrats <laughs> to Paige and Kevin. Congrats. Uh, who I hope listened to this episode. They found the podcast and everything. We ended up talking okay. for like two hours. We were not uh, meant to do that. It was supposed to be like a 10-minute meeting. We ended up just going because we bonded and it was really cool. We got to talk theater we got to talk film. We got to uh, uh, nerd out on some things. And then he told me this story. And I said, that's perfect for something I'm doing tonight. So he sent it to me. So I'm going to read it. Please. Yay! Isn't that weird? No, it's totally <laughs> well, cool. Congrats to Paige and Kevin. Hey, uh, Paige and good times. Here we go. Okay. They love our, th- our spelling of theater, theater, by the way. The R-E and the E-R. Okay. Yes. yes. He says, I was in a production of the rock opera, Tommy.
1: Ooh, okay. Listen to that episode. Something we've talked about on the podcast.
3: Uh, In college. uh, The producers had an ambitious goal of building a roller mechanism on top of the stage so that the floor could move set pieces. Okay. Okay. Similar to the seamless movement that broadway productions have when transitioning from one scene to another right we've seen that what are those it's a round
1: a round table what what kind of stage sometimes
3: yeah the turntables sometimes that's That's what they use sometimes it's like it's like track systems which they have horses underneath right yes exactly it's a coliseum it's lions um no i don't know what that means um But Full Monty had a track system, actually. All of the things could be brought in on these tracks, which was really cool, but it didn't uh, move. This sounds like it was like a moving stage piece. Right. 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 Similar to the uh, turntable situation. But... uh, Typically, as most know, Tech Week runs for one week prior to open to line up the logistics of the orchestra, lighting, and overall technical aspects of the production. This is true, Kevin. Thank you. <laughs> 10 Just out of 12. It. Zitz probe. Exactly. Uh, well, this production did a 2.5-week Tech Week. Whoa. To triple check that these rolling floors would work. It sounds like you might have needed to do that. Uh, and to be honest, opening night was a success. Great. But the next afternoon for our matinee, we were ten minutes into the show when the floors start to go on the fritz. They glitched midway through a number so badly and so obvious that there was no coming back from it. And then he wrote, Ha ha. <laughs> wow. Uh, and then he said, They had to stop the show. Announced to the house that there were technical difficulties, which took 25 minutes to fix. And then they decided to just start the show over again. Wow. Wow. And then he said, brutal. Screw the moving floors. Leave that stuff to the Broadway pros.
1: Right. Use cubes,
3: y'all. Use cubes. Use cubes, <laughs> y'all. Especially <laughs> in college theater and educational theater. Honestly, like, why are we even putting shit tons of money into that? Like, it should well, all because be...
2: because designer student designers and student technicians also need you're to right. build up on their craft. And I, honestly, right, co- me. no, I didn't mean it like that. Uh, I mean it like that. <laughs> I mean it like that. But like, I mean, colleges and universities often have reasonable budgets to do that and yeah don't have to pay the talent so, yeah I I don't mean that disparagingly I, I just you know they they, well, have, you do. they have yeah pay pay your kids if you're if you're acting same as if, athletes if, if athletes paid, can get paid actors should get god damn right they should get paid and
3: architects
1: you're when, here When I was a freshman in college, I had a guy in the senior class, his name was Jesse Lauder, he was a musical theater major. He kind of became like an older brother type for me and we became close. So then at the end of senior year, we always go to New York to do a showcase. At this point, by the time I was a senior, he was in in New York. And it's always kind of this fun thing where all of the Webster grads in New York come and see the showcase and support and all that stuff. So anyway, we have like a receiving thing at the end, and I'm, I'm talking with Jesse after. I'm like, ah. you know, 21-year-old CJ. I was like, Jesse, you've been in New York for three years. You must have done some really amazing theater. And he goes, CJ, I haven't done good theater since college. <laughs> <Aww>.
0: <laughs>
1: Which,
2: you know, yeah, kind well, of reminds first well, several well, years right. out here. It's true, it's (laughs) true.
3: Hey guys, sorry, I gotta do this live because I might as well. Uh, This is a bonus episode, so it's kind of fun to do this. I just got a call to do a small... uh, Is it stand-in or is it... Oh, no, it's just background. I thought this was going to be a bigger thing. Never mind. But uh, This is background for uh, American Crime Story impeachment.
1: Oh. That sounds like fun.
3: I would be a customer.
1: <laughs> of whose? Uh
3: I don't know. Doesn't say. It just says I'd be a customer slash pedestrian.
2: Stay All tuned right. to follow up to see if Bailey is. No, I'm not upset. gonna do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna do it.
1: That
3: doesn't sound fun. We'll um, announce
1: next mini series.
3: Stand in is fun because then you're like, hey, you kinda look like uh this semi famous person who come stand in for them and then you get kinda treated like a celebrity all day. Uh, but background sucks. Okay, so any other stories?
2: I, I have one. You've got a million, I, right? I've got one that's from Krasner that doesn't follow, fall quite into any of the categories we had talked about. Right. But it's i got her. a couple others,
1: too. Let's see if mine tie in with yours.
2: Let's do it. So uh, this Brian Krasner, my roommate, friend of the pod and a fantastic actor, uh, was doing Lost in Yonkers in Summerstock in a tent in the middle of a Midwestern heat wave. Mm. I was playing Uncle Louie, the gangster who sort of counsels his two nephews and the kid playing uh, Artie had a 24 hour flu. I was told he'd be okay, so I got ready for the show and went to places, did my first entrance, which culminates in a monologue. And when my character sneaks in and the lights go on, the kid was sweaty, ashen, and swaying back and forth. Began my monologue, and he started shaking, and vomit started trickling out of his nose. I kept acting. He put his hand...
1: (laughs) I kept acting.
2: He put his hand over his mouth. I kept acting, He then ran off stage and threw up like the girl from The Exorcist for a while. Me and the other kid just kept looking towards the exit, and when he was done, I riffed, come on Artie, is it really that bad to see your Uncle Louie? The audience erupted in applause, lights out, and someone was heard saying, I don't remember that part.
1: <laughs>
2: I thought it was fucking pricey.
1: That's pretty good.
3: That's amazing. Kraz, C- friend of the pod, deep, deep friend. Deep friend. I love him deeply. Yeah.
0: Yes. A uh, great
3: career that man had. Yeah. Has <laughs> had. Has is what I meant. Has yeah. had. And uh, Will have more. Yeah. Uh, Siege, tell you me men- some stories because I think you said you had. Go ahead.
1: Yes. Well, you mentioned kids, and it. I don't know if it's actual, honest to goodness kids, but. Brittany Wheeler. 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 Who, who did one we of the love Brittany monologues, Wheeler. Yes, who did one of the opening monologues for August Wilson? Go back and listen to that miniseries series, everyone. That's over. right.
3: We gotta have her on. Do
1: it. Yeah, she'll be on. She's gonna be on. Y'all love her we will love her. And my only regret about these stories, y'all, is that Brittany isn't telling them herself because we've already discussed that when I'm president, she's gonna be my press secretary. It's gonna be <laughs> Didn't um, we decide she was gonna be on RH,
3: Rogers and Hammerstein?
1: We discussed that, but we also talked about Larson.
3: Mm. We got a lot of people, y'all. We got. She we requested got
1: Larson, so but whatever. We'll get y'all. We'll get Brittany on as a guest. You gotta will.
3: get her on multiple times. Okay. Yes.
1: Okay. So and she starts her story perfectly. Picture it, Orange County, California. The Year of Our Lord, 2007 or so.
0: (laughs) Sorry, keep going.
1: The Year of Our Lord, 2007 or so. I'm a theater major and a junior, having just been gifted the opportunity to play Mrs. Potts in Beauty and the Beast. It was my university's big musical, and all the musical theater nerds were frothing at the mouth to get in. It's a tale as old as time. Ah, (laughs) For context, Chip was placed in a quote-unquote dining cart. It spun 360 degrees so that he could look around and speak to me during our scenes. During a sold-out performance and in the middle of a semi-serious scene with Belle, my Chip, who was an adorable little boy, decided that he needed to pick his nose and endlessly spin in his cart. (sighs) It got to the point that he was obviously bored and had his entire hand almost in his nose and he began to spin around like a damn fool. People people in the audience began to giggle and me being the diva I am didn't appreciate him pulling focus from me so I held on to the cart so that he couldn't move. No matter how hard he tried to spin, my free hand wouldn't let him budge. My college friends and I still talk about how pissed I was when I got off that stage. Little shit.
2: That's hilarious. That's a great one. Wow. And she
1: actually sent me another story from the same show, but it's oh a different... Oh my God, I gotta this, hear it. This I know this will spark my second personal story, but it also yeah. might spark some other horror stories. Um, uh... <laughs> I'm a nervous pooper. So when... <laughs> good start
3: I'm a shy pooper I'm
1: a shy <laughs> she's a nervous pooper so when my parents were in the audience I got super nervous and really had to go to the bathroom I'm in full Mrs. Potts garb which meant layers 1700 style and an actual teapot spout sleeve for one of my arms my body wasn't going to wait and I shoved people out of the way in order to get to the toilet I had to have some of the girls in the bathroom rip me out of my costume before I ruined it Luckily, (laughs) I made it in time to do my business, wash my hands, and have a bunch of damn forks, knives, and spoons help me back into my costume so I could go to my next scene. (laughs) It was a close call, and it makes me shudder to think of the mess that pooping in my costume would have caused for me and my fellow kitchen utensils.
3: (laughs) Oh Oh my God,
1: that's a good one.
3: (laughs) We've all been there. Straight up.
1: I actually have a story that fits into that perfectly, and it's, it is is one of my earliest memories and definitely my earliest theater memory. I was six years old, and my first grade class did two plays a year. And for our spring play that year, we picked Little Red Hen. Uh-huh. and i don't remember the con i don't remember what happened but somehow i ended up being little red hen i think there were other animals in the story that everyone else really wanted to be but i unbeknownst to me ended up getting to be the lead in this play and we were doing two full productions of it one was to invite like the entire elementary school And the other was to invite like staff and our parents, which by the way, my dad was a high school teacher at my school, but obviously also my dad. So he was going to be there regardless. I'm pretty sure this was for the elementary production, but everything was so crazy before the show. And I was six that I had to pee and I didn't.
0: Oh, and
1: we were halfway through the play and I peed my pants on stage oh how old Uh, are
2: you
1: i was six
2: i was 17
1: (laughs) (laughs) 25 Um, but so so but the thing was was i still we finished the play and everyone just stepped over my pee puddle on stage the whole time now at my school And also because kids are horrible. I was definitely made fun of that until I graduated from high school. But I remember that day being on the swing set at recess after I'd been given some clean pants and I was sitting by myself because nobody wanted to be near me after that. No, no, it's (laughs)
2: CJP pants. No.
1: And I think we had a student teacher that was helping out with the play at that time. And she sat down in the swing next to me and she's like, I just want to let you know that I admire you so much for ki- finishing the play, even after that happened. And then years later, when I was auditioning at Webster, I remember all of us. It was a Saturday. There was like 12 of us auditioning together and everyone was fucking nervous as shit. And we were all standing outside the Winifred Moore uh chapel which is where we were auditioning right and everyone was talking about how nervous they felt and i told them that story (laughs) then at the end of it one girl goes why are you still in theater (laughs) (laughs) and and the funny thing was was then when we showed up months later after people had been accepted into the program and decided to come to webster like three of the people from my audition day Made it into the program and remembered me because of that story. <laughs> P pants stayed with you. Pee pants, well, CJ. Yeah, and I think you know. I
3: know we have a couple more stories, but I feel like that's the moral of this episode: is like the people who were able to get through these nightmares and still are doing it—that's kind of amazing.
2: It really is. Some of them you did that
3: ones. at six, and you're like, you're like, yeah, I'm chilling. That's fine. I like it.
1: You say it I love peeing my pants. Yeah, I need to write. A musical called peeing my pants
3: yeah yep <laughs> there's already yep. one like that though it's you're called, in town uh, no Phantom of the Opera
2: oh um, uh, okay, so <laughs> we...
3: <laughs> I'm kidding I love that show uh, guilty pleasure okay so there oh, was wait, a, there was one like sent in from Suze right yes. oh, yeah Sue's companion does anyone want to read that do you want me to read it what
2: are we feeling I don't have it in front of me if you don't mind this is about mothership
1: Yes, uh-huh. Beige. Why don't you read it? I feel yeah. like Scott and I have been talking more than you. I will yeah. tell tell me about what
2: Mothership was. Mothership was um, a farce written. Uh, it was a world premiere at Sacred Fools, written by Jonas Oppenheim, who's, who's a brilliant, as fuck. funny, and it's a very funny script. But it was a very complicated farce that involved. Um, a family in like an upper class suburban neighborhood and like the husband and wife are trying to get pregnant and the the you know the family's all around and the mother-in-law and all that while all that's going on, there's also this whole secondary story that takes place in a UFO with aliens and so the idea was is that the set, this suburban house would be able to easily transfer, Transform back and forth between being the interior of a spaceship and, uh, and a suburban home, and so it, and it, everyone it,
1: was double cast, right? Everybody's like double cast and
2: playing and multiple characters and all this stuff. So it demanded precision. It demanded a lot of money. And and like a farce
1: does, (laughs) like a
2: farce does, and really great set designer, and it wasn't. It was just this guy that somebody found who was like, "Yeah, I can make your stove into a you know a teletransporter." Sure,
0: (laughs) smoke cigarette,
2: (laughs) flick cigarette, like goes in, like you you know, it's like, yeah, I just need some plywood and some styrofoam. So that was mothership, and it is, uh, it is um, a story that lingers large at uh, at sacred fools but please Got tell it so Su- Suze was Suze, the stage manager
3: dear friend of the pod Sue's camp was the stage manager of this show mothership uh she has a list here of things that went wrong okay <laughs> so it says this was the single worst performance ever the mothership one when i did my sound check i discovered that the balance between the left and right stage speakers was off One was way too quiet and the other was way too loud. I ended up having to adjust at the physical speakers. This is important for the next problem. Two, once the show started, the stage left speaker was way too loud. How did that happen? I have no idea, but in an effort to fix it, someone backstage unplugged it. (laughs) Or so they thought. Oh no. Three. They had actually unplugged the center speaker, so when there was a phone ring, no sound happened. <laughs> the actor, Grizz, who I assume is... Julia Griswold. Julia Griswold. Julia Griswold one of my dear friend wives. of the pod. Uh, she improvised, because she's a pro, and then it says, not knowing the speaker was unplugged, I tried rebooting the amp in the booth and resetting the input. We had that problem in the past. While adjusting, the amp fell on my head oh no i caught it in my arms an audience member rebecca larson friend of the pot <laughs> had heard and came running into the booth to she see was me also an
1: th- understudy for the show so she knew what was going on too. got it she yeah. saw
3: Sue's in tears with the amp Aww. in her arms okay she says i wasn't really hurt just a bruise And the show must go on, which is the other moral of this whole episode, (laughs) though maybe in this case it should not (laughs) have. Four, we had several video cues controlled by a board the lighting designer brought in, so not something we were super familiar with. On the first video cue, suddenly the projector just started projecting random light and pinning all around. We couldn't reboot the board because it also controlled the lights, (laughs)
0: lights. (laughs) so we
3: managed to unplug it. Heather Lynn was running light and projection. We fixed things at intermission, or so we thought. Oh, no! (laughs) Act two, stage left speaker got loud again. Then we had a puppet alien that uh-huh. came down from the catwalk right oh that's right When it came down for the first time the stage hand noel it says let go of the string and it fell like a puddle <laughs> on the floor yeah <laughs> well,
1: i remember hearing about that at yeah.
3: that point all we could do was laugh yeah i and then it says i put names in for reference but you can use them or not use them i'm gonna use them because we did um yeah holy shit, Susie. so I I I almost feel like I need to find a couple of stage managers because they have the best. The stories. stage
1: managers
2: have the best. They they've gone through yeah. things
3: that the actors didn't even know happened. Oh yeah.
1: Oh yeah. You no. Know?
3: Like, we got to get some of those stories in here. I know we got one, but I, I want to uh, I'm going to see if I can find a couple people to send us stuff in the next couple days. And maybe they'll uh, we'll post on socials and be like, hey, guys, send us stories And then maybe they can record them and we can put them at a, as a tag on this or something. I was. I, I-, I-, I,
1: I will say that I stage managed for a couple years when I first moved out here. And so I have had those moments on stage as an actor where I click into stage manager mode and I'm like, where's that prop? That prop's not there. Or they didn't move this thing. So I've had those kind of panics on stage, but nothing like where people wouldn't know what was going on. What were y'all saying?
2: Oh, Uh, 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 I, uh, I, uh, I just wanted to say that Suze is one of the sweetest, kindest, most on her shit stuff uh, uh pers- people I'm sorry on her shit stuff on her, her shit sh- stuff on her shit stuff people that you'd ever want to meet she stage managed many of my shows and uh, shows lovely. that I directed and she's just a sweetheart and uh um, great
3: energy every time i I'm around yeah her, she's you can't a you can't energy.
2: beat it like she's a hugger and and the fact that she had to go through that and I like it's it, all of the people that had to to go through it and poor Jonas you know it, it was just. Timing and, you know, it, it was a show that demanded far more than, than was capable at that time.
3: Uh, I have a question. Do you guys have any, like, final stories? Anything that's just, like, clincher stories you want to tell? Little I,
1: Red Hen was my big one.
2: Yeah. I, I got one. I got one. Yes. Okay. 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 I was in college doing the worst production of Hedda Gabler ever.
1: <laughs> She's
2: just so and, bored. And, and Tennessee
1: Williams was in the front row. When
2: when uh, I remember like the second day of table work, and the actress playing Hedda and I won't mention her name. She was a bad person, and
0: was. <laughs> she was. She was sincerely,
2: but she she looked at the director and she said, "My intention for this show is to play bitch."
3: oh my god oh
2: really Uh, so yeah you can't (laughs) play
3: sad you can't play angry and you can't play bitch so (laughs) that
2: was what she was gonna do and so it was it was going to be a horrible show no matter what because 15 minutes of Hedda just being a bitch instantly you just she's out. not a bitch she's bored nah, no she she yes and she's she's, so she's a woman trapped in a men's she's just so world. bored isn't she? <laughs> but anyway so we have this very overzealous overzealous stagehand he he really wanted to do well but he was super hyper and, and kind of spazzy he did however for whatever fucking reason have firearm experience <laughs> No, so he was in charge of the gun. There's, you know, gun, run, there's a plot, plot point through the whole thing. He was ba- he was basically Danny McBride from Tropic Thunder. Like, you know, <laughs> he came in like all black, but then he had like the headband and like he was just really into it. And every night he'd fire the offstage gun signifying had a suicide. Well, on closing night, he decided he was going to turn it up and rip off the knob. Oh, and he no. fired two guns at once. <laughs> but they weren't simultaneous it was distinctly two separate shots and so i'm playing tesman so i come stumbling on at the end and i'm i have to go she shot herself she shot herself in the head pause and someone in the audience blurts out Twice <laughs> the audience just loses their shit, like this, you know, classic three hour run, which that show shouldn't be three hours, mm-hmm. but it's a three hour show, and the audience was just hating it. <laughs> she shot herself in the head twice
3: incredible and it was just you like did it twice
2: and it was and that dude was mortified bless his heart he felt so bad he was just he's like i was gonna just make it real powerful it was, it was just like pop 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 I was like, oh, you, you idiot. Uh, so that's oh, that's my i'm I done
1: have, i have one final story that leggett threatened to bring up about me but i'm gonna bring it up anyway
2: oh
1: uh it was serial killers Picture it, Serial Killers. It was like 2015 or something. (laughs) East Hollywood.
2: And we should remind the audience Serial Killers is a late night sketch show. It's Saturdays at 11 p.m. Yes.
1: And our buddy, Ed Goodman, uh, wrote this play called Managing to Survive. And it had made it all the way through the year, uh, through the season. And it was finals night. It was between. Managing
3: to Survive was managing to survive.
1: Yes. Yes. It managed to survive. Uh, It managed to survive. Um, but it was, it was the last night. So it was just managing just five and I can't even remember what it went up against. Um, but that day I hung out with Natalie Rose after we had some pizza at pizza Paul's before it became Gracie's and had like two glasses of wine. And then I came home and took all my clothes off and fell asleep. And I (laughs) did set an alarm I mean, because I got home at 7 o'clock, the show's at 11. I'm just going to take a nap. I, I did set an alarm, which I think for whatever reason, my volume was all the way down on my phone. So when the alarm went off, it just buzzed. Oh. And I remember sitting up bolt right. So the show starts at 11. I think at this point, it's like 11.15. Luckily, managing to survive was going second. I was playing a crazy cat lady, so all I had to do was smear lipstick on my face and scream on stage. But uh, I finally woke up because I felt my phone buzzing. And I, I seem to remember it was Esteban Cruz that actually got a hold of me because I picked up the phone and I was so blurry and didn't know what was going on. And I went, hello? And Esteban goes, oh, CJ, we're in the middle of the show right now. Where are you? And I, I like immediately start crying. I pull on my costume. I'm speeding to, it was old Sacred Fools on heliotrope, smearing makeup on my face and just told myself like, I have to get there. I have to get through this. And then I will beat myself up and cry for the rest of the night about what a fuck up I am. But the thing about, and I, I, I got there on time and managing to survive ended up winning for the season. Yeah. But the thing about that night was, I spent the rest, and this is this is one of the many reasons why I love Sacred Fools and why I love my friends. Was I I I hated myself for doing that. I've never done that before. I've never done it again. I'm knocking on wood because I never want to do it again. Um, and I spent the rest of the night just kind of like half in tears and apologizing to everybody. And I had so many people come up and tell me how much they loved me that night. Because <laughs> people, people were, they weren't worried about me fucking up the night. Everyone was worried that there was something wrong with me. that something bad had happened and I remember that night Victor Isaac sat me down at like and we had it ended up being a great night everyone stayed late partied and Victor Isaac sat me down he was like CJ I just want you to know that you're so nice and you're one of the talented most wonderful people that I've ever met and I was like man I need to fuck up more often
3: (laughs) (laughs) but that's that's that says a lot about the LA theater community and also Sacred Fools in general but like and theater communities in general, there's just a lot of love there. And you can fuck up. We're allowed to fuck up. That's why we're in theater, because we like to fuck up and then, like, do better the next time and challenge ourselves. And yeah, I've done that a hundred times. I've done that for tests. I've done that for <laughs> auditions. I, you know, I, it's I the feel
1: worst that. feeling when you wake up. that Like, it even took me like a minute to be like, wait, what's going on? What night is it even right now? Like, oh, yep. yeah, uh...
3: well, hey. Listeners, send in your theater nightmares. maybe we'll make a segment out of it if we get enough of them Maybe Home we'll catch up every once in a while
2: <laughs> yeah I mean, this this is one to return to. it's fun and and next time we should we should have guests on to actually relay their stories yeah. they, yeah, it was it was it was a blast just hearing people go i should I should give a shout out uh, to another sacred fool show, which was Dracula the musical. Which I didn't get a lot of detailed stories on, but I got like seven people going, "Oh shit, that was the worst opening night I've ever, ever experienced ever." So we'll have to get stories about that (laughs) next time because they were like, "I was like, what happened?" So apparently it was just all clusterfuck. Although I saw the show later in the run
1: and it was this is a good revisit. Yeah, for sure. sure.
3: Yeah, no, this would be fun to revisit. We'll do it. Send in your your stories. We'll start collecting them, and we'll make another stuff out of it. This was a a blast. But, hey, (laughs) thank you all for joining us for Theater, Theater, and Stuff, Theater Nightmares. Join us again next week as we begin our mini series on Susan Laurie Parks, which I'm fucking stoked about. We're Mm -hmm. nailing down a guest for that right now. Uh, We'll talk about it later. Uh, Top Pod, Under Pod. Is the name of that mm-hmm. miniseries? We'll be covering her evolution through three of her works: Venus, Top Dog, Underdog, and we're gonna we're gonna watch and discuss the Gershwin's Porgy and Bess
2: that she did a rem- Yay. Did we
3: all agree to that? Yes, yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah we did. that was okay. Yeah. So Porgy and Bess is an opera, right? That when it went to Broadway with Audra McDonald and the whole crew uh she, Susan Laurie Parks wrote a book and sort of new through line for it, and can't wait a lot of people hated it. a lot of people loved it. so I'm excited to explore it, but this is it's specifically called the Gershwin's Porgy and Bess is all her right
1: cool cool, nice.
3: so we're gonna check it out. uh there's other plays of hers that are available fucking a is one that we mm-hmm. thought about reading, but uh I just think it would be kind of interesting. Uh, yeah. to talk about this one but maybe we'll talk about more we'll see yeah. right on read those if you have time and then our next stuff is a scott pick which is what scott
2: we're going to be talking about the works of alejandro jodorowsky and we're going to be tying oh. it into theater and his his uh origins in theater uh, yeah. which are fascinating I'm but worried. it's going to be a mind fuck. so get ready I'm for worried. it it's <laughs>
3: gonna be a weird one i'm excited about it though uh do you want to tell what movies we're watching
2: uh, we're going to do El Topo, we're going to do um, Holy Mountain, and then we're going to also talk about uh, Jodorowsky's Dune, which isn't actually a Jodorowsky movie, but is about him and his artistry, which is really interesting. I just find him a fascinating character in the world.
3: Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be a blast. Uh All right, let's close it out.
1: Questions, comments, do you have additions? And yes, we want to get your theater nightmare stories, everyone. Keep them coming any motherfucking time. You can email us. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Scott?
2: Thank you, CJ. Uh, A big shout out to Pamela Quinn for writing our In Stuff theme song and for all of the contributions she does to our show. She writes a... Episode centric song, a playwright centric song for every episode we do. So thank you for that. Also, did big, y'all listen to the one she did for Lynn? Oh, it was it's so, extraordinary. I, I listened it's
1: to extra- it twice through in one many, sitting. Many, many times. And yeah, and it was pretty,
3: many funny. Times. Great. pretty funny. All right, keep going.
2: Uh, yeah, no, totally. Uh, also, a big shout out to Ryan Thomas Johnson for writing our regular theme song, which you are about to hear, and for writing all of our stingers. Our theme songs are better than your theme songs to deal with it. It's truth. It is the truth. Also, big shout out to Annie Baker, the Pulitzer Prize winning playwright who writes every episode of our (laughs) podcast and doesn't know it. It's an extraordinary gift. Every word. Every week. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) One day we're going to buy Annie Baker a beer, but thank you, Annie Baker for being you.
3: Follow us on all the things. We love you so much. And seeing as my mouth was agape most of this episode, I think that also means that my Your butt asshole.
2: Your butt was a gate the whole time.
3: Wow, <laughs> the wow. entire episode. Because Chalming. mouths and butts. I know because mouths and butts <laughs> are the but same, and same thing. <laughs> and if you don't know what that means, then go back and listen to all of our backlog of it like is
2: like fifty it is, episodes. It's not just a weird. Us already. It's not just a weird gross thing. It's an actual scientific truth. So. You'll have to. And something
3: it. I'm weirdly obsessed with that I don't like talking about, but I love talking about it on the podcast for some reason. Um, so <laughs> we love you all. We'll talk to you later. later. <laughs> I'm Welcome to some... the Space Jam. <laughs> the That's old
2: it. Old. We're out of here, everybody. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. The theater, the theater. Hang out, Louis! Theater, theater. To be or not to be.